Welcome back to A Little Too Quiet, the Ferndale Library podcast, brought to you by the Friends of the Ferndale Library. My name is Jeff Milo. I am the host of this podcast, and if you've been keeping along, we are in the middle of a mini-series of episodes where we are talking to local authors and local artists from the Metro Detroit area, specifically asking them really just one question, and that is how, if at all, do we stay motivated after the year that we have had, and now here we are in the winter where we're going to have to stay indoors. So we are talking to Kathy Koja, award-winning author, steamed author with several novels to her credit, and a very creative and imaginative author with a very unique voice, very unique narrative voice, and lots of great ideas to share with us, and just really candid emotional thoughts and comments to share because this is a hard thing to sugarcoat we really can't at all and uh, Kathy addresses that and she I think she has some great things to share for anyone out there who is finding it a little more difficult uh, to get back into that creative space no matter what it is that you do for your creative therapy we are here to provide conversations about that here's our interview Joining me now on the podcast is Kathy Koja. It's always a pleasure to see you, Kathy. I'm happy to be here. I was just thinking that almost on the eve of things getting shut down, you were here in this library physically getting ready to do a library program, and it just seems so, so long ago. It's amazing. I know. It was in the spring. It was a launch event for uh, my short fiction collection, Velocities, and we we're going to have a movement artist and we were having a musician and we had video and we had plans of how we were going to arrange the tables and then boom the door shut and you are one of many 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 authors who had a work to be released within all of this and uh you you've been you've had some time to be removed from that do you have any thoughts to share on that because that is just surreal and emotional in and of itself to let your work go out into the world when the world is in such a state. And it's it, it was kind of encouraging and and humbling both. Um, people did reach out to me and say your stories, your my uh, novel Cipher was reissued this year as well, and saying they were helpful for me. They were a distraction for me. I enjoyed the books. Maybe I enjoyed them more because my focus has changed. And that was kind of. It was very humbling. It was wonderful to hear. That's what obviously what you want is your work to matter to people in some way. Mm -hmm. I think it made us all aware, too, of how global we are now. And that is not a bad thing. Maybe that's the best thing we can take away from this. Mm -hmm. We are a global society. Mm -hmm. And so hearing from a reader in... Milford and hearing from a reader in Tokyo is almost the same thing because I can't see either one of them. Yeah. Right? Well, we've been having folks on this podcast to talk about how they have been able to stay motivated, if at all. I mean, obviously, they're free to freely admit that they haven't been able to. I was just thinking before we sat down together, I was thinking, boy, this goes way beyond writer's block this is some other kind of specimen uh and folks have been talking about their unique experience with that and maybe nothing's changed maybe everything's changed how has it been for you well i think 
I hate saying, I think for me, I know we're all anxious, but I think for me, I think anxiety is difficult to cope with for everyone. The challenge for the storyteller, for the writer, for the person who's used to creating narrative is not following that narrative, Mm -hmm. not saying now we're in lockdown. So this is going to happen and this is going to happen and understanding that your anxiety is a, is a bad fuel mm-hmm. that kind of keeps your, your wheels spinning. Mm-hmm. Those little narrative wheels are going because we have really entered a territory that we don't know a lot about. Right. And so trying to apply those narrative engines to this terrain gets you nowhere. Mm-hmm. And But meanwhile, you know, they're still turning. It's anxiety, anxiety, anxiety. And what's going to happen? What's going to happen? What's going to happen? And it's natural to reach for the tools and coping mechanisms that you know best and that that you feel in control of, or at least feel comfortable with. Yeah. And that's kind of the wrong thing to do now. Mm -hmm. So I've been stewing a lot in my anxiety and not sure where to put that. Mm -hmm. We just went through a uniquely contentious presidential election that just upped the anxiety for everyone as well. And the ongoing pandemic. And then you have the normal creative anxieties of how am I going to get my work done? Is my work any good? Um, Should I be working on this? Should I be doing something else? Is there something I could be doing Mm -hmm. with my time that's more useful Mm -hmm. for other people, which is another big anxiety producer. It's like, should I be, you know, doing what, what is my writing for? Mm -hmm. What is it? what is the best use of it in a time like this? Mm-hmm. And I don't know that there are any firm answers for any of those questions. Yeah. You know, the word that just came into my mind, I sort of a paraphrasing of something Hunter S. Thompson would used to say, he would say, maintain. Uh, and obviously he lived a life of purposeful chaos and he did all that to himself and was living a, a roller coaster. But now we all really are on the roller coaster. And that word maintain comes in my mind a lot, just maintaining. And uh, it's, it's difficult because we might not be getting the same rewards we are when we are writing, right? Um, there might be, and I'm tiptoeing into a very negative space here, but, you know, I... I imagine there might be, it might feel a little emptier. What is the feeling? Does it? No. In in fact, I think in some ways, writers, as opposed to live performers or as opposed to musicians or people who are used to getting immediate feedback, unless you are physically stalking your readers and standing (laughs) over them while they read, you never know. You're always operating in a void. Right. You don't know. Oh. You're putting it out there and you're just hoping that it will connect with people, that people will. And people are very generous, as yeah. I said, about sharing your responses. It's because we have the socials. We can do things that we never could before. Yeah. I don't think it changes it in any way. It might make it seem, you know, as we just said, it's like, is this the best thing that you can be doing with your time. Is this mm-hmm. the thing that you're supposed to be doing? And that's something that you have to keep kind of weighing. It's like, if, if I am helped by other people's work, mm-hmm. if other books and music and film is speaking to me and is helping me, mm-hmm. then how can I say, 
how do I know who might be helped or amused or distracted or encouraged by something that I do? You kind of have a responsibility to keep doing what you're doing to maintain, right? And assume and hope that someone will get something out of it Mm -hmm. down the road. You as an author, though, you're definitely not the... uh... J.D. Salinger type. You aren't entirely secluded person. You, you're you in the theater realm. You're in the immersive theater realm. So before all of this, you were a very interactive, even I'd say gregarious author. You were in the <laughs> world. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, and so seeing the literary art world and the theater art world and being a lover of, of music, um, ha- maybe you're like me, but has this period of time gotten you to think about what art is for. I think it's for these times. What do you think? Yeah, I think so too. And the just touching briefly on, on, on live performance and I'm producing and putting on shows, which I also do. Um, I did do a commissioned event this summer for um, filming for a video event. And that was later premiered by the client on Zoom. And it was very it had, we had to change the way that we work entirely because we were performing live, but we were performing, it was essentially a film. We were performing for video. So we had the luxury of takes, but we also had the silence of no audience. And even our hosting commissioning clients, you know, kept their distance as you do. And it was a completely different way of working. So that was a benefit to me and to the other artists, but it was also it's difficult. You like to get the feedback from people. You like to watch people, especially with an immersive event. I mean, it's it's about the people being there and the people taking it in. Oh, but, I mean, absolutely. Just speaking from the library's perspective, so much of the fulfillment of a calendar year was memories of the physical presence of patrons who are in an audience for a program that we hosted. And... We're still doing things in this library and we are still connecting and we have evidence of connecting and we have evidence of feedback through social media. But it is a different feeling. You know, the the word reward, I kind kind of bounced into my head earlier in this interview and now it's bouncing back. The idea of what our, I guess, our rewards are for when we engage in in, in, uh, writing, painting, a craft even, what have you, you know. Uh, I think that that's come into... It's been thrown into a sharper relief now, don't you think? I agree. I agree. And you, if you're not getting the normal cookies from the universe that you're used to expecting, if you can't get those cookies, can you operate in a cookie-less landscape? Are you able to do your work in more of a vacuum than usual? Or can you do your work wondering, right, what is this for? Mm-hmm. What is, yesterday I read, um, we won't go into it, but a, a piece of legal writing that was so brilliant and so pointed and really got its point across. And you look at that and go, okay, that's what words can do. That that will have immediate, it already has had immediate effect. And you look at that and go, okay, this is great. The things that art can do moves more slowly although when I say that I'm reminded of and I do not remember the opera um, there was an opera house that was continuing to put on performances I want to say they were in Sarajevo during the war Mm -hmm. and they kept putting on performances even though 
I mean, it's a literal war and people were coming and coming and they, they filled the opera house. People cried. They wanted to have that experience because it was proof that something would continue and that things would go on and that they couldn't be stopped. Mm -hmm. And it, it was brilliant and life affirming. And unfortunately the opera director died of a heart attack during the season because the stress of carrying all this was too much for one person to be in charge of. Mm -hmm. And they continued on, Mm -hmm. but when art is on the front lines like that, then you are seeing an immediate, that is the greatest cookie of all, right? Truly. The people, people sitting on the steps, risking their lives to participate in an event with art at its heart. Yes. Yes. Something else you might want to comment on, and I'll just say this as a reader and and a fan is that, whether it's you as an author whose books I follow or anyone, um, I wonder if this is a time where you you as a as a creator have to be careful about self-imposed pressure. I mean, you stress even. I mean, the 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 opera director you just spoke of. But if if any writer or any creator or any crafter out there was like me, I can. I just know I would get the voice in the back of my head saying, well, Jeff, we're in extraordinary times and this is a quarantine. So if you create something, it had better be monumental. That's right. You know what I mean? No potholders for you. You better not be hooking any potholders. It better be the Sistine potholder. Right. There's that, right? There's that pressure there, there. But I think we need to be easy on ourselves, don't you think? I think we need to be realistic about what our tools are for. And that... In, in paradox, I mean, that sounds like it's minimalizing. It sounds like it's saying, Ooh, you know, that you're minimizing what you can do or what you're supposed to be doing. But your tools are very specific to your skill set and your talents. And when you're using them correctly, which means like the, the Bowie dictum, right, where you're just a little bit over your feet in the water. The water is just at the top of your head. So you have to put your chin up. You're a little bit out of your depth. When you're operating there, you're operating where you're supposed to be. And that comes back to the idea of, you know, wanting to know the end of the narrative. We can never know the end of any narrative of a piece of actual art takes on its own life and will continue far past anybody who made it or the people who were around when it was made. If it's a real piece of art, it's going to endure. And you have no idea who's going to use that potholder or what they're going to use it for. It's just, it's not for you to know. So important, so important. Be, another thing that we have to be careful about is that living in a world of social media, benefits though it might have for connection, it is very much uh, that we start living in a world of a ever-shuffling status update feed, and that creates the anxiety to be constantly making something new. But if you created a thing, let it have the worth that it deserves. Don't start worrying right. about the thing you got to do next. And it's not, and it, right. And essentially it's not up to you anyway. Mm -hmm. It's not up to you. Your whole job is to create whatever the thing is that you're making and do that to the best of your ability. And that is the end of your job. You can't write, but there is a temptation to be like a slave to the immediate Mm -hmm. because those are sort of cookies. Mm -hmm. They're not really cookies, Mm -hmm. but they're cookie-esque. And Mm -hmm. it feels like, you know, you're getting that little dopamine hit from people liking or paying attention or answering you or whatever, especially now, because we need to be connected. We're doing 
everything through screens now. You know, we're all in our little crates at the vet barking oh, at each other. Indeed. And and we've discussed this before, and, and anyone who's followed you or anyone who really reads a review or a, a biography of you, the word transcendent comes up, transcendence. And good Lord, going back to that, that, that buoy metaphor, if there was ever a time we needed to transcend, this is an excellent time to read a Kathy Cochin novel. <laughs> if, if the uses are hidden from us and they are, the the task is still immediate, right? It's like you still have work to do every day and you you get up and do it. And when you when you put that work beside other people who are getting up every day and doing essentially heroic and almost impossible tasks. And you know, I am a, a healthcare worker. I am going in every day into a hospital. We're talking about, I don't know the end of the narrative. And people's lives are literally at stake. And I'm not getting buy-in from the community around me because they think they know better than I do. And I'm telling them, you're going to die and you're not listening to me. Right. Talk about staying motivated. Right. Huh. Huh. I know. I know. And we, we, you know, ideally we created this podcast for anyone just to just feel hopefully as much inspiration as they possibly can. And or especially since we're on the cusp of a, you know, another dark gray Michigan winter. So if we are staying home, I mean, it's a tricky toe, it's a tricky line to toe, rather, you know, you don't want to tell people to tune everything out. But I think that there is benefit in giving yourself an hour or two, or even just a half an hour, work on something for yourself. You know what I mean? Or do something that's totally removed. Um, I'm a slave to Duolingo now because <laughs> in that time, in that half an hour a day, I'm completely focused because I'm really bad at it. And I'm completely focused trying to figure out what am I doing to understand how to put the subject and verb in the correct order. And I'm learning something and it's forcing me to do something new and learn something new. But I'm not thinking. My brain is at rest in that sense. It's alive and active, but it is not, you know, gumming over the anxiety nylabone going, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? Ah, I hate that guy. Ah, why is this happening? Ah, it's like, shh, mm -hmm. you know, here, yeah. so do your Duolingo. Go yes. learn some German. Yes. <laughs> and in closing, I think Kathy just gave us the best words of advice. Shh. That is... One of our favorite words at the library, too. <laughs> uh, Kathy Koja, it has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. And that was Kathy Koja author of the recently released short story collection, Velocities. You can see a video of Kathy Kocha performing a piece from Velocities, uh, part of our beginning, middle, end video series that we started up in the summertime, reading live local authors. Lots of great things to share. We will link to Kathy Kocha's website so you can find out more about books like The Cipher and so many more of her works. This is A Little Too Quiet, the Ferndale Library podcast, brought to you by the friends of the Ferndale Library. I, again, am Jeff Milo, and we produce this uh, podcast in-house here at the Ferndale Library, and it 
the music is supplemented by local musicians like John Duffy and Chad Stocker. If you go to FerndaleFriends.org, you can find out more info. We appreciate you listening.